0: NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org slash connected or call 1-800-460-6276. You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie. The official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine.
1: Welcome to the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today I'm picking up where I left off months and months and months ago. So, March 12th was the last time we recorded anything on this topic, and the topic was functional anatomy. Uh, and on this date, we had finished our third part in a multi part series that I haven't picked up yet. And after multiple times, people have reached out, especially recently, and said, hey, the functional anatomy stuff that you put together was really helpful. It's helpful for me. It's helpful for training. It's helpful for the test. week." Then I think that uh, I'd really like for you to finish doing the functional anatomy stuff. So I thought, yeah, how did I miss that? Especially in light of what I'm going to be talking about today. And today I'm going to be talking about the most important muscle in the body. Uh, The heart? No, 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 no. The pecs. So on the list today are going to be the pec major and minor, the lats, Terry's major, and the deltoid. So there's a lot to be discussed today. And how I didn't pick back up... Listen, y'all, I'm sorry. I apologize, but we're picking it up now. Thank you so much for following through with that. Also, I wanna uh, I wanna ask you to do a, a favor for me, as I'm about to set up and go through this. Once you're done listening, can you please just go and leave a review on uh, about the podcast? Whether or not you're just clicking stars, uh, or you want to actually write a review out. It means a lot, it helps a lot, and that would be greatly appreciated. So thank you so much if you got the time and the opportunity to do that, it, it comes in handy. All right, so let me go ahead and get started with the pecs. So let's talk about the pecs. Now as we go through this, we're gonna talk about planes of motion and joint actions, what joints they cross, maybe relate it back to the overhead squat assessment. But also I don't wanna just talk about what the muscles do concentrically, that's when the muscle shortens. We're also gonna talk about what it does eccentrically. So that's what it decelerates. Because a lot of times we look at what muscles do and we only think concentrically, but they do things in deceleration. A lot of times we look at dysfunction, We're looking at things that are not decelerating movement appropriately. So let's have a look at not just what it does concentrically, but what it does eccentrically as well. So first thing we want to do in the pec major, let's just talk about what what it means. So pec, pectoralis means, it's Latin, means of the breast or of the chest. And major just means it's big, it's large, it's important. So pec major, pectoralis major, is a large muscle of the breast, a large chest muscle. So larger in some than others. So let's talk about how we can pump that muscle up. All right, here we go. I want to actually do this. If if you're listening to this, you're, you're gonna benefit from it, but if you get an opportunity to watch this on the NASM Facebook channel, or you get a chance to watch it uh, on our YouTube channel, this might come in really handy. I'm actually gonna pull up um, the PEC and go over what's happening here with the anatomy. All right, so here, if you look at the screen here, I've got the pecs pulled up. Let's talk about where it originates. So we talk about origin insertion, sometimes um, the uh, attachment sites we look at here. So let me go right there. Look, primarily it's on the sternum, right there on the breastbone. But at the bottom part of the pec, you can see the bottom part of the pec, that's gonna attach to um, some of the ribs and the cartilages of those ribs. And the top part of the pec, It's right there on the clavicle, which is the collarbone, the medial portion of it. And it runs primarily transverse. So you see the direction of the fibers, primarily transverse in the direction of their fibers, Then it crosses over the shoulder joint. As it crosses over the shoulder joint, you can see it attaches there on the anterior proximal. Anterior is front. Proximal means closer to the, the center of the body. So the anterior proximal, humerus. All right, well because of where it attaches, it's going to give us a better idea of what this muscle does. So what does this muscle do? All right, well let's talk about a couple of things. One is if we look at the direction of fibers, it's primarily in the transverse plane, so it's probably gonna work well in the transverse plane. So let's look at the transverse plane. If I'm doing a bench press, most bench presses are done in the transverse plane. Now, can you shift your, your shoulders around and move into the sagittal plane? Yeah, you, you can, and we're gonna talk about that as well. But let's talk about the transverse plane. As I go into a chest press, whether it's dumbbells or a, um, uh, a bench press with a bar or a push-up, then the shoulder is moving in horizontal adduction. Adduction means moving closer to the midline. Now that midline is on the anterior portion of the body. So it moves closer to the midline on the front of the body. So I've got horizontal adduction at my shoulder. And then here's the thing, when I lower the barbell back down towards my chest, What muscle is doing that? What muscle is decelerating that joint action at my shoulder? Well, the same muscle that was pushing it forward. I don't have muscles on the back pulling the weight down. The weight is coming down. (laughs) The weight, gravity is moving towards you. You have to slow that down. The same muscle that does the negative does the lift. So I've got my pectoralis major decelerating horizontal abduction in the transverse plane. Well, what else does the pec major do in the transverse plane? It's also an internal rotator. The pec major does internal rotation in the transverse plane. So right there, just based on origin insertion, as I lower that down into internal rotation, if I twist into internal rotation, the pec major is an internal rotator in the transverse plane so what does it decelerate well it decelerates external rotation it decelerates external rotation so think about if um if your arms behind you uh and and somebody just kind of pulls on it, well, you're gonna immediately tighten your pecs. I don't know, nobody would pull on it. I don't know why I use that as an example, but um, you know, as your arm is going back like a pitcher throwing a baseball, one of the muscles that keeps their arm from going so far back that it just unwinds and pops off is the pec major as it decelerates that external rotation or that lateral rotation because it is a medial rotator and internal rotator. All right, uh, let's move to the sagittal plane. Transverse plane, we've talked about what it does. It's got two joint actions in the transverse plane. It's got a joint action in the sagittal plane. In the sagittal plane, the pec major can do shoulder flexion. It can do shoulder flexion. Well, as I go into shoulder flexion, it's really more shoulder flexion if I'm going straight out in front of me. If I continue to go into flexion all the way overhead, it lengthens. So if I'm in extension and I'm doing a dumbbell chest press, then it's gonna shorten to help me do that. But if I keep going into flexion over my head, that muscle is now going to lengthen. So it just depends on the range of motion as to whether or not it's going to be a contributor to that joint action. With that being said, it will decelerate the sagittal plane shoulder extension whether that's a a tight grip dumbbell chest press or a close grip elbows in close to the body push up the pec major will contribute to the shoulder flex, uh, shoulder flexion it will help to decelerate shoulder extension so is it a good exercise for your pecs to do that with the arms close it can be and i think that you just need to work your pecs in a variety of ways now what we got one more joint action I want to look at, and that's gonna be um, that's gonna be frontal plane. Let's look in the frontal plane, and in the frontal plane, when people do those cable crossovers and they're pulling the chest, they're pulling their arms down in front of their body in tight, and that's a frontal plane adduction. And they are definitely working their pecs. As a matter of fact, that's a pose, right? When people squeeze their pecs and they go in front of their body, that's a, that's a pose. For the pecs, so the pecs concentrically shorten in the uh, in this frontal plane, doing a adduction. They lengthen as they go into a abduction in the frontal plane. So we decelerate abduction in the frontal plane. All right, we've got our three planes of motion. It works two joint actions that we talked about in the transverse plane. It does horizontal adduction. It does internal rotation. There's going to be a lot of joint actions being thrown out here. Try not to turn this off. Try to keep listening. Listening to language helps you to understand the language. And I know this is like a completely new language to so many of us, but let's hear it. And then once we hear it, we don't have to memorize it, we just get used to it and then we know it without having to specifically say, hey, did you memorize what that was? You just know what it is because you heard it over and over. It's not rote memorization as opposed to just remembering what the, the joint actions are. We've got the sagittal plane. So a close grip dumbbell press. My pecs will contribute. To shoulder flexion, decelerate shoulder extension. And then we've got um, a cable crossover, and that's going to be frontal plane A deduction concentrically. Eccentrically, it's going to decelerate frontal plane A deduction. All right. Now, what about, let's keep talking about this. What about when we do a, um, a chest press, and I was told that if you do a fly, it works a little bit more on the outside. And if you uh, do a different grip and you squeeze tight like a crossover, then you get more here on the sternum. I can feel more towards the cleavage area. I can work that versus the medial or the lateral. I can focus on it more. Um, You can't do that actually. So the muscle fibers run transversely And when a muscle fiber shortens, all of it shortens. So you can't just shorten one end of a bungee cord and not shorten the other end of a bungee cord. You can't lengthen one end of a bungee cord, not the other when you're pulling from uh, two different points. However, based on the muscle fiber direction, can I then get a little more of my upper pecs doing an incline press and a little more of my lower pecs doing a decline press well the fact of the matter yeah yeah you can and let's look at this picture again here i've got this picture and we're going to look at the direction of fiber so see these fibers right here at the clavicle and they run down you see it should be more direct like this not just sideways and then out so uh, it runs at an angle so if you do an incline press you can preferentially focus on those upper pecs if you do a decline press you can preferentially focus on the lower portion but if you do a transverse plane press you're going to get everything involved so most bang for your buck is going to be doing that transverse plane, but you can do decline press, you can do you know, uh, those cable crossovers, and you definitely get your pecs focused on in that particular exercise, your pec major. All right, so with pec major, um, we've got a lot of exercise. And now what might you see in an overhead squat assessment that allow you to say, well, these muscles might be tight? One of the things you do is if the arms fall forward, If the arms fall forward, it could be a couple of things. Um, It could be, so my my pecs do adduction. So if I'm this position, I'm fully abducted. And you can see how that stretches out the pecs. In fact, if you've ever done a lat pull down a day or two after doing a serious pec workout and you're sore, as you reach overhead, I just bumped my light, as you reach overhead, you feel those muscles getting stretched out. So I know that they're lengthened in this fully abducted position. Or if you look at another way, when your arm's straight overhead, you're either fully abducted in the frontal plane or you're fully shoulder flexed in the sagittal plane. Either way, your arms overhead, the pecs are going to be lengthened in that position. So if the arms fall forward, then that could show tightness in the pec major. Um, Some of the other things you'll look at, especially in some static posture, which is an overly protracted position, and the pec major can contribute to that as well. All right, so let's move on to the lats. and we look at the lats, I'm going to Let me pull the pecs out of the way. I'm gonna bring the lats up. Let's bring that in. All right, now look at the lats here. The lats, um, if we go and we talk about, well, what does the the word lats mean? Lats means, latissimus means broadest or widest. And dorsi means back. So it is the widest muscle in the back. Well, have a gander at that muscle. It's definitely a really wide muscle in the back. And the, the picture here is going to be a touch misleading because of where the attachment site is. So let's look at its origin. See this white area right here? This is called the thoracolumbar fascia or thoracolumbar aponeurosis. And the lats go... And, and that actually originates on the sacrum. The top of the ilium and the lumbar spine. And then the lats come out of that, that attaches into that, and then goes all the way up. It clips the inferior angle of the scapula and then crosses over into, and this is where the photo doesn't, the, the graphic that I'm using isn't really doing it justice. It attaches to the anterior. This looks like it's attaching to the posterior. It attaches to the anterior proximal humerus right next to the insertion site for the pec major, in fact. So because it attaches on the anterior side, then when this muscle shortens in the transverse plane, it's actually an internal rotator of the shoulder. It can internally rotate the humerus. All right, well that's a transverse plane. The primary joint action that this is going to do, when we think about the lats, think about lat pull down, that's frontal plane. And in the frontal plane, it is concentrically going to shorten into adduction. It's going to adduct. It's going to decelerate abduction. It's going to decelerate abduction. So if I'm doing a lat pull down concentrically, my lat is pulling my humerus close to my body. It's creating adduction as i reach up over my head and that weight's pulling my arms up i'm decelerating it it's still my lats so in the frontal plane my lats are decelerating a b abduction my lats decelerate abduction in the frontal plane i know i know it's, it can be complicated stay with me well One of the things that we also do is we'll do rows. And we're like a bent over row or a seated or standing cable row. Well, what plane of motion is that in? That's gonna be in the sagittal plane. Elbows are usually pretty tight to the body. And as we row back, we're going into shoulder extension. That is it, the lats do shoulder extension in the sagittal plane. They extend the shoulder in the sagittal plane. Guess what they also do? They decelerate. They decelerate shoulder flexion in the sagittal plane. And that's just a row. We can actually do a close grip lat pull down or a close grip pull up, and we can do that in the sagittal plane. So my range of motion is a little more limited when I do a seated row or uh, a bent over dumbbell row. If I do sagittal plane all the way overhead and I do a pull down, I can do that in sagittal plane. Gives me full range of motion. Does that mean it's better? Not necessarily. Does it mean that it's better? And I'm not here right now to to look at, well, what exercise is better? Uh, The best exercise is the one that uh, doesn't hurt, the one that's giving you outcomes and the one that you feel comfortable doing. And usually it doesn't include the phrase, the one. Multiple exercises, variety, transitioning from different things that all work that muscle need to be employed in order to exercise that muscle to its fullest. And again, if we're looking at just working muscles, sometimes we gotta look at what movement is. And this helps us understand dysfunction, especially what the muscle is decelerating. So let's look at this. If I take my arms overhead in an overhead squat assessment and my arms fall forward, well, I know if my arm is all the way overhead, then my lats are on full stretch. So if my arms fall forward in the sagittal plane, my lats could be contributing to that. If they fall in the frontal plane, my lats, deducting are contributing to that could it also be weak muscles yeah sure absolutely absolutely and that should be a consideration as well but right now we're just talking about the lats and what its contribution could be in an overhead squat assessment all right so what's interesting here is that each of the muscles we just went over has like uh has like a little brother so let me Move the lats out of the way here. And I'm going to pull up the lats little brother. The lats little brother, often the teres major is referred to as the lats little brother. Now, here's something we didn't discuss, and it, it just adds more complications to it, is that the lats actually don't just contribute to what's going on at the shoulder, it has an impact on the scapula has an impact on the lumbar spine and the pelvis because of where it attaches into that thoracolumbar aponeurosis or fascia well the teres major does not so look here at the teres major anything that the lats do at the shoulder the teres major can do So again, that's not giving you a good indication of its insertion points on the anterior part of the humerus. So it goes from this inferior angle of the scapula to the anterior humerus as it crosses over the shoulder joint. Well, as it does that, guess what? It can do same joint actions. It can do internal rotation at the humerus. It can do adduction concentrically. It can do uh, extension concentrically. So. It can also decelerate external rotation at the shoulder it decelerates abduction in the frontal plane and flexion in the sagittal plane oh my gosh rick this is so much the joint actions are so much i get it i get it but let's just work through it listen to it and then listen to it again and if you get a chance to actually watch um the video if you're not watching it get an opportunity to see the muscles themselves and see if it helps at all. All right, so the teres major, lat's little brother. Everything the, shoulder, the lats do at the shoulder joint, the teres major can do. Well, we know that there's a pec major, and so there's probably a pec minor. So let's look at the pec minor. The pec minor starts right there at what's called the here we go coracoid process of the scapula. And uh, it drops down and attaches into the ribs. It has a direct effect on what goes on at the shoulder joint. Now it doesn't, uh, sorry, at the scapula, it doesn't affect the shoulder joint necessarily. It doesn't cross the shoulder joint. It doesn't have a direct impact on the shoulder joint. It has a very direct impact on what's going on at the scapula. So if you look there, you can see that this muscle can do, Uh, Depression. It runs at at a slightly oblique angle, but primarily up and down, so it can depress the scapula. It is one of the primary protractors of the scapula, so it can do the pec minor, can do scapular protraction. But what it can also do is it assists in downward rotation of the scapula. A lot of times we're stuck in downward rotation of the scapula. As we reach overhead, the scapula aren't moving up appropriately. And a tight pec minor can limit the upward rotation of the scapula as we try to reach overhead. So in an overhead squat assessment, if I can't get my arm all the way over the head, or as I start to squat, we see that the arm drops, and we start to either go into a little bit of extension or a little bit of adduction, then the pec minor can be a contributor to that not at the shoulder joint but forcing a downward rotation at the scapula so that's the pec minor the pec minor we're going to get into a little bit more when we talk about scapular muscles in a later um, in a later episode and I promise I will deliver this sooner than than, than delivering this one all right so i got the the pec minor Right there, again, primarily, that muscle is going to contribute in several different ways. It is a scapular depressor, it is a downward rotator, and it is a protractor of the scapula. Well, a couple things that I want to discuss, and I think this is really important, and it's about opposing muscle groups. And we talk about opposing muscle groups like the pecs and the lats. And yet, my question is... Are they opposing muscles at all well in in some way yeah of course one one is pushes and the other one pulls but let's look at the joint actions and see if this one doesn't maybe blow your mind just a little bit if you've never thought about this all right i hear pecs and lats are opposing muscle groups but let's look at the joint actions and see if, in fact, they are. One, let's look at the pecs. The pecs' its primary mover is going to be transverse adduction. So that must mean the lats do horizontal abduction concentrically. Um, and the fact of the matter is they're, they're not good at that. There is a slight horizontal abduction pull that can happen through the lats. And you can see by the direction of the fibers right there that it's got a few fibers that can pull in that direction, but it's not its primary focus. In fact, whenever you see somebody doing a rear fly, it's oftentimes referred to as a rear delt fly. Well, they in fact got that one correct. Your posterior deltoid is your primary horizontal abductor, not your lats. So... I wouldn't say that those are necessarily opposing muscle groups in that particular joint action. All right. Well, let's look at the, the the frontal plane. So in the frontal plane, we talked about the pecs being able to do adduction, adduction. So that's where the uh, you get closer to the midline of the body. So the lats must do abduction. No, no, that's not true. And we know that's not true. In fact, when we think about adduction, we oftentimes think about the lats in a lat pull-down. So the pecs and the lats actually have that joint action in common. They are both adductors. Well, what about the sagittal plane? Sagittal plane, the lats do shoulder extension. The lats do shoulder extension. Well, the pecs, what do they do? Well, we know that that at least in a partial range of motion, the pecs can do shoulder flexion as we press out in front of us. Shoulder flexion. That is true. But as we get farther and farther overhead, those muscles lengthen and they stretch out. So I can say, yes, there there might be a little joint action, um, opposing joint action that can take place, at least through certain ranges of motion. All right. What else? Well, we know the pec does internal rotation at the shoulder so if they're opposing joint actions then the lats must do external or lateral rotation at the shoulder no no that's not true Uh, they both do internal rotation at the shoulder they're both internal rotation do internal rotation at the shoulder well then the question then now that we look at this is the the pecs and the lats almost, they have more joint actions in common than they even have in opposition. They have more in common than they have in opposition. So the pecs and the lats are not opposing muscle groups. So what I'm gonna encourage you to do is instead of thinking about how do I balance out the muscles is to more think about how do I balance out the joint actions? How do I balance joint actions? So if I'm doing horizontal adduction, I need to practice horizontal abduction on the other end to create more balance. And that certainly is going to help for the posterior delts, which many, many people have particularly weak because they're so ready to move out of horizontal abduction and lower the elbows so that they can do more of a, a, a shoulder extension exercise. Why? Because the lats are stronger. They're a much larger muscle. They can do a lot more weight than the posterior deltoid. So we tend to shift and move away from the weaker muscles. We'll focus on balancing joint actions. So if a joint action you've worked in the transverse plane, then do the opposite joint action in the transverse plane. If you've done shoulder uh, lat pull down, in the frontal plane then you should do shoulder press in the frontal plane guess what muscle is the opposing muscle you got it it's our delts again our deltoids do you know our deltoids have more and 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 it's more of the great balancer of these joint actions than any one other muscle and that's really because the deltoid muscles they have such an ability to do so many different things. For instance, all right, let's talk about deltoid. Deltoid uh, comes from the Greek word delta, which is, you know, the delta is a triangle. Even the, um, uh, the airline Delta has a triangle as its logo. Well, that triangle, if you've ever heard of the uh, the Mississippi Delta or the Delta of the Nile River, what happens is that as the river runs, and we get closer to large bodies of water, the sediment becomes looser, and it can't just pour into it, it starts to branch out, and it creates a triangular shape, a delta. Well, your deltoids are triangular shaped, right? They start at the anterior part of the the clavicle, and it goes onto the acromion process for the middle deltoid, and then the posterior deltoid It starts there at the inferior angle, um, sorry, not the inferior angle, but the the spine of the scapula. And then they all come to a point about halfway down the humerus. So you've got this triangular-shaped muscle, the anterior deltoid transverse plane. It can help shoulder AD duction, decelerate shoulder AB duction. Well, what's its opposing muscle group? The same muscle, just a different part of it. The posterior deltoid posterior deltoid its primary movement is shoulder abduction and it can do also uh, decelerates shoulder adduction anterior is an internal rotator anterior deltoid internal rotator concentrically posterior external rotator lateral rotator concentrically and then i've got the middle deltoid which is an abductor in the frontal plane in fact the anterior deltoid As you see right here, I rotate to press overhead and the anterior deltoid shifts so it is on top of that joint as well. So it's going to assist with shoulder abduction as well when I shift over into a shoulder press. But if I just stay kind of primarily in um, a lateral raise, then my anterior delt will help but that's going to be primary that middle deltoid the one that comes right off the acromion process and straight down into that deltoid tuberosity on the humerus all right um it got thick it got thick in here today ladies and gentlemen and uh I would apologize but I'm not going to because I think it's valuable I think having these discussions are valuable. The conversations are valuable. Understanding joint actions and ranges of motion and how the body works its valuable. Not just in how do I work a muscle, but really has a lot to do with how do I balance out my muscles? How do I balance out um, if I have people who have um, faulty movement patterns? Unless you know what muscles concentrically accelerate eccentrically decelerate and the joints at which they stabilize, we don't have a good concept of what to do next, and we need to know the what's next. Certainly we don't want to overstep our boundaries and go into any therapeutic approaches, but if I can help with corrective exercise, functional anatomy is a must. So learn your functional anatomy. All right, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Again, when you get an opportunity, please leave a review. Um, Don't leave a bad review because this one uh, had (laughs) such convoluted uh, discussion about joint actions. I'm I'm sorry. I know it's pretty thick, and I laid it on you, and I apologize. I hope it helps. I hope you found it valuable. Um, Reach out to me if you have questions. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rick. Richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. You can email me, rick.richie at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CBT podcast.